Welcome everyone, episode 104 of the Cardano Effect. We're in Epoch 215. Rick, how are you doing this morning? What's going on? What's happening? Hey, not much, Philippe. We have our stake pool operators here with us today to answer questions about staking. There's many different wallets out there, many different methods of performing staking. And uh, that's what we're here to talk about today to answer everybody's questions. And we have some from Reddit, some from Telegram, and we'll have a lot in the chat. So I would like to start off with thanking the Cardano Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. It helps us uh, bring uh, guests, our pool operators, and bring community members onto podcasts for the Cardano community. So thank you for the sponsorship. We appreciate it. And Philippe, is there any news or anything like that we want to touch on before we get into the frequently asked questions or is this a dive right in way of doing it? We can dive right right in, but there was an article posted. I don't have it right in front of me, but it was a taxation-related article from the Cardano Foundation. So the Cardano Foundation is part of an organization called the Proof of Stake Alliance, and they amalgamate a lot of different blockchain projects. All of them pool their resources together, and they, I don't know, buy the support of lobbyists. They talk to congressional members, and they really push tax-friendly legislation forward. So there was a recently a letter penned to the IRS basically advocating that staking rewards should not be taxed. When this is going to actually be implemented or if it's going to pass, probably not. You know, It's probably going to be a while before this even goes through. But it's good to see that they're starting to put their feet forward and these kind of things that advocate for a much healthier ecosystem are are on the forefront of things. And I know the U.S. tax situation with crypto is very convoluted, so I'm, I'm happy about that. But yeah, that's, that's the news. You can check it out on the Cardano forum if you're not familiar with it, forum.cardano.org. I'm glad to see they're cutting down on the number of taxes in crypto because it's almost unsustainable to every time you convert from one to another, you get taxed. It also depends on where you live. You know, yeah. uh, you make a trade, you get taxed, you, you know, everything you do, you put a little tax on there. So I'm glad to see that that legislation is getting moved forward. It will take a while though. So, yes, but glad to have it going. So we have some new pool operators today. So we have Amanda, William, and then Umed. Umed is returning, of course. So, um, Amanda, how are you doing today? What's going on? Where are you calling in from? Can you tell us a little bit about your pool? Uh, yeah, so I'm calling in from Korea. It's uh, almost 1.30 a.m. here, so I'm quite tired. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me on here. My pool is Deadpool. And, um, you know, I'm kind of new to this space, but I really enjoy the community and I believe in what the Cardano is is doing. and you know, I'm having a, a lot of fun and I look forward to other things I can do for the community as well. Okay, sounds good. William, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I'm from Colorado. I'm in Boulder, Colorado and found out about the Cardano project back in Ju- uh, January and uh, had been trading uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and then saw the whiteboard uh, from Charles and definitely dove in head first started learning how to build the stake pool and uh, just been having a blast with the community so far. Okay. And your ticker is Sage? Sage, yes. Okay. And Umed, back, you want to give a quick introduction for all those who don't know you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's great, great to be back, guys. And uh, my name is Umed. Um, I am the owner and the operator of Skylight Pool. Um, you've you've seen me um, in the in the the Cardano effect before, and I write extensively about uh, the stuff that we are about to discuss. Uh, you know, the, the rewards, the the mechanism. Um, usually, I post my articles on my on on the Reddit um, on on Cardano Reddit, but you can find them on on my uh, pool's uh, webpage too. Um, great to be here. Um, would love to dive in into these questions and, and answer them. All right. All right. Thank you to the three of you. Rick, do you want to start us off with some questions? Yeah, so we're going to start with the basics. Um, and the very first one is kind of like straightforward. To stake my ADA, do I have to move them from a Byron wallet to a Shelly wallet? Is that correct? Definitely. Yeah. Is there any reason for that? Why do I got to do that? So back in uh, Epoch 208, that was the hard fork combinator event where we went from Byron to the, the Shelly side. And uh, from that point in time, we have a new address. You needed to transfer your ADA from a legacy wallet to the Shelly wallet. Okay. Thank you. And that's okay. important. And you can tell the difference between them usually when you're throwing Daedalus, which leads us to the next question here. So the next question was, which wallet should I use, Daedalus or Yoroi? What do you guys think? I use Daedalus. I'm not really too familiar with Yoroi. Um, so I really feel that it's kind of your personal preference. Daedalus was a little slow before, but not anymore. So I don't have any problems using uh, Daedalus. Both of them have their advantages. And um, I actually open both uh, wallets in both uh, locations. So you can play around in Daedalus see how it works. Uh, Deadless has its own ranking mechanism for staking purposes. And then the Yoroi side has uh, ADA pools plugged in. And um, so there's different layouts, certainly one you'll gravitate towards, but both of them work perfectly well and nice and safe. Have you found any pros and cons between the two? Like what is your favorite thing about Daedalus? And then what is your favorite thing about Yoroi? Let's start with Daedalus. What's your favorite part about your Daedalus? Is it the pools, the GUI, the interface? Well, I, I really like that bull. You know, it was from the early early days. Um, I, I really like the design of, of how it's been thought through. Um, and that's just the aesthetics right now. But there's there's a second layer that actually, you know, if you really want to run your own node and, and know that, you know, you're not depending on somebody else's node running for you um, and, and helping the, the, uh, the ecosystem that way, maybe, uh, you know, Daedalus could be your thing too. That's a good point. It's a, a full client. So you have the whole blockchain downloaded, whereas the Uroi, you're accessing on the web, the client from that side. So, Okay, which kind of leads to the second half of that two-part question is, what are the pros of Uroi? What's the benefit? What's your favorite part about it? Personally, for me, the I think Adapool's pool tool, uh, Cardano scan, they've all done a really good job helping break down various pools and how you might want to filter through who you may want to select to delegate to. Specifically, Uroi, the thing that I like is they've integrated with Adapools, a very clean interface for sure. So I have a question about Uroi because I don't use it. And since you have some experience, I may ask you, William, can you see uh, the pool sizes, like the active stake in Uroi? So if you go into Uroi when you're in the delegation center, mm -hmm. uh, basically open adapools.org, oh, uh, adapools uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it looks almost identical. They have a little bit of a truncated view, mm-hmm. but you can scroll across. Okay. Okay. And you know, there's a very relevant question that came up in the chat from James Kiever. And he says, curious about Yoroi's ability to track rewards for tax purposes. Daedalus doesn't have that feature. Is Yoroi any better? I haven't seen a tax feature tracking purpose in Yoroi, but there are quite a few more features in Yoroi today than there was a year ago. That's for sure. I didn't see a a tax feature tracking in Yoroi, but I did see an epic by epic tracking feature. My favorite feature in Yoroi is it works with my treasure. So, Rick, you're in love with the treasure. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. It's got the best I little. Ledger, it's like a little but, Tamagotchi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have to say that you know when um what was it a year ago or two year ago years ago when I talked to uh, Nico uh, who's who's uh, part of Amurgo and he said that he definitely wants the uh, the taxation or you know the uh, the tracking feature there too because uh, you know he he you know he wants he wants to be able to sort of claim claim whatever he got in taxation. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, if not now, it will it will come to Euro soon, probably. Well, April 15th next year, uh, something, one of us <laughs> will probably create it if it's not already there. <laughs> there is a staking rewards feature in the stake pool delegation center where you can see all your amalgamated ADA rewards in Daedalus. And, but if people are waiting for like some sort of individualized tax-based solution to come out of Daedalus or Yodoi, you're probably going to be waiting a long time because once again, this is a decentralized cryptocurrency. There are people invested all over the world and taxes vary from various different jurisdictions. So what features you should be expecting is just ways to count how much stake that you've received or how much rewards you've received. That's, I think, what people should be anticipating more than individualized tax-based solutions. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to, to clarify this, uh, Philippe, since I you know, used to run a wealth management company. I will tell you that you would need to at least have how much stake you got, how much rewards you got, at what date. Those are the two things you need because then you will tie in the price and that would give you the taxable base. So, Again, this is not tax advice, but you know, as a minimum, you have to have that in order to actually produce that taxable base uh, report for your tax taxing authorities, and and from there, you know, you have your own individual individual tax rates. Makes sense. Yeah, and I'm glad you phrased it that way, you met, because we often get the question. People will ask us at the Cardano Effect and say, "Can you bring on someone to talk about taxes?" And that's a kind of a hazardous thing for us to do because. The taxes they talk about might only apply to one country or yeah. one state. It has the rest of the world. It doesn't apply to them. Yeah, I mean there are there are you know countries where you you can just basically say you know I have this lump sum of ADA that I received over years uh, over months, and uh, the taxation regime might be very lenient and tell you okay you can just average the price right. And if you choose to average the price, it might be advantageous for you then to record the price at the time of receipt. So those kind of things will have to be taken into consideration when uh, the, the, the people who are filing the taxation, uh, the, the tax uh, you know, reports are doing it with, with their you know, tax attorneys or whoever. But uh, you know, at a minimum, you, you need to, at least I would, I would expect that you would, you would need to have you know, the date of receipt and the, the amount because then you can tie in the price. You can look it up on, on the exchange at that point. 
And I think the important part as it relates to Daedalus right now in front of us is, has, have you ever tried the export CSV feature in Daedalus? Not yet. Yes. I haven't. It doesn't do much for you, does it? No, no, <laughs> no. It just, it doesn't split up the epoch. So it just adds it. So each epoch, if you don't time it correctly between epochs, you won't know how much you got for individual epochs. So um, they need to work on that because that would be a good feature. But yeah. yeah. Right now it's not useful. It's not. Yeah, it's not you, useful. You'd have to, every five days you'd have to go, okay, hit it, click. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. You re- we ready to roll to the next question? Uh, Let's go. want to check that. Oh, the next one is about the wallets still. Is the Daedalus upgrade forced and is the Yori upgrade automatic? So what about the Daedalus upgrade? How does that work? Who wants to talk about that? If I recall, I had to go to the website to click the uh, download for the upgrade. You get this uh, banner across mm-hmm. the top of the Daedalus wallet. Yeah. And it'll just give you an indication that there's a new one available. Got to go to their website. You can... Uh, download it, verify the checksum if you want. And what happens if you don't upgrade? Will it uh, continue to function or will it malfunction? I think that's what this person was asking. This one was from the tech support channel, I think. The one time that I tried not to update it, it wouldn't work. It would just basically keep popping up um, and uh, ask me to, to download the new version. I think that was a couple of versions back, so I don't know if they changed that mechanism. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's forced because the requirement to upgrade is encoded in the blockchain. Ah, okay, so it wouldn't it wouldn't work, okay. Yeah, and I think the reason for that is like if it ever, I don't know why, but if it ever has to work with something else, then you have to be upgraded for it to work with that something okay. else, whatever that is. Yeah, that's a nice security feature actually. You know, you know, if there are some things that in the new release are crucial, then you you do not want your network to be running on the old software. Yeah, or if it burns your laptop up, but the latest <laughs> one's running great. <laughs> I remember the one where you had to wait like overnight to sync 1%. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I have a really good connection at home, you know. But, uh, it's amazing now. I mean, it's like 15 seconds literally on mine. It almost doesn't feel like Daedalus because you kind of open it up with the expectation that it will take a, a, a few hours, right? And then it's just done. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow. It's, it's like Daedalus that behaves like Yoroi, which is kind of a, a new experience for a lot of people, I think, in terms it of speed, a, you know. It's fantastic. Now, the second half of that question was, is the Yoroi upgrade automatic or how does that work? From my experience on Yoroi, Chrome extension seems to automatically update so far, and I haven't had to manually update on your Roy. Okay. And if it doesn't automatically update, you can go to a website to download it. Now, what's the hazards of navigating to a website to download the wallet? Wow, there's a lot of them. So always make sure you're on the right website because there are scam websites out there. Philippe and I usually do a scam disclaimer at the beginning and say, watch out for scams. Don't go to unknown web links and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, make sure you're on the right web link. All right, just Philippe, did you want to pick up the next question? Yeah, you have there? definitely, definitely. Rick, I think this question is for you because you've made a video on your personal channel about this. And we do get, I get a lot of personal questions about when do you get your ADA rewards? Because people delegate and they're expecting to get their rewards at the end of the next epoch. I don't know if you want to introduce it or if someone wants to jump in and ex- uh, elaborate about exactly what goes on in that process. Yeah, I'll let you guys kick it off. When do I get my? When do you get your rewards? Uh, 
What's the easiest way to think about it? <laughs> so for me, the easiest way to think is, let's say I delegate right now. So Epoch 215, we're in the final hours of Epoch 215. So it takes the current Epoch plus one for your funds to become available for staking. So Epoch 217, they'd be available. Now, once you run through Epoch 217, if your pool is fortunate to perform well, at the end of that epoch, there will be a snapshot taken. And so the snapshot is taken and then the following epoch runs its course, so 218. And when it rolls over to 219, at that point in time, you will then be available to receive your rewards. You don't have to do anything. They automatically get placed into your account. That's really Excellent. good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great description. And, you know, uh, a, a question I often get is... I don't see a transaction. I don't see how the, I don't see them received. What's going on there? What's, what kind of crazy dark magic is going on here? Why don't I see a transaction when I get them? The, the thing that I've seen is that the Dellis wallet will have within the uh, reward or staking center, there's a tab that you click on that says rewards, and they'll show up in that zone. And so you have a second address, if you will. It's a reward address that it gets deposited or accounted for there and automatically put into your main account. Yeah. I've heard it described as collected. So you won't see a received transaction in Daedalus, right? You won't see it Correct. received because it's not sent from anywhere. It's not, not like an airdrop. Like you see, it, it's uh, the protocol just creates it. It's almost like it's born Poof. inside your wallet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. born inside your wallet. Is that exactly. an easy way of putting it? <laughs> yeah. Of course. It'd be problematic if it wasn't because then we'd have to be paying 0.17 ADA on each single transaction fee for each epoch, everyone. And that would be madness. Yeah. It is kind of weird when you first look at it and say, how did it get there? Where did it come from? It didn't come from anywhere. You know, it came from the Ouroboros God. <laughs> Thanks for that description, William. That was really good. <laughs> On the epochs and when do I get my rewards? I think we can wrap two of these questions together. And um, I, I guess we can start with Amanda, move on to William, and then Umed. So this is a subjective question, but there's two parts of this question. What is the best metric to go by for selecting a pool? And like, how does one find a reliable staking pool? What do you think? So for me, if I was to put myself in a delegator's shoes, I would like poke around on the Ada pool side or the pool tool side and just kind of scroll around to see how different pools' performances are. But really, now I don't know if it's if it's just me, so this is just me talking. Um, like I want to see what they're kind of about. And so I would go to their website and kind of see how they present themselves and what they want to do or those kind of things. And then um, and then go and check back and then check back there at how big their pool is and how saturated they are and, and all that kind of stuff. And then for, for me, like I, as an operator, try to uh, have a way for them to talk to me. So like, how can you talk to your operator? Do they have like an easy way to talk to them, like a telegram channel or do they just have a Twitter thing or that kind of thing? So, so pool size, you know, that goes to saturation and then what they're about on their website and how can I talk to them and connect with them? Thank you, Amanda. William? Uh, that's, that's probably the single most difficult question from my perspective from, you know, you have almost 1,100 pools to choose from. 
you could use one filter mechanism of which pool has the most stake data. You could look at which pool has made the most ROA return on stake within the last 30 days or last epoch. Um, just like other financial advice, previous things that happened in the past don't guarantee future performance. However, the Cardano project is very reliable once you get over a certain threshold of uh, stake that you're more likely to make a block and your your next step would then be your fees. So the smaller pools help stabilize the network in effect. However, their pool fee, the minimum fee, the 340 ADA that every pool has to do, when you're really, really small, that starts to eat into the total rewards. And so some of the pools are doing unique things to compensate back or zero minimum fee or uh, margin. And so then that starts to teeter-totter. So if are you, are you going purely performance? Are you wanting to go with a smaller pool to help with the, per se, decentralization of Cardano? If you're in that thought process, you need to give us a little bit of time to move forward with the D parameter. I think we're going to 76% in this next epoch. That parameter has only a certain fraction of blocks. So that'd be 26% of the blocks being made by stake, small stake pool operators in the public space. And so, so for me, navigating and trying to recommend, I think it really comes back to what Deadpool said is, you know, it starts to become personal who you connect with, who you can communicate with, who you feel comfortable with. Ultimately, you don't lose your money through staking. It's always in your wallet. So the only risk you really have is, will their pool create a block to earn you rewards? Thanks, William. And Umed, yeah, what is your so, criteria? Yeah, my criteria would be, you know, the first and foremost would be saturation. I know because if a pool is close to saturation, it's the easiest thing you can observe by looking at pool tool, which is my favorite sort of tool from, from way back in, in ITN when we had zero sort of visibility. But yeah, so, so, you know, to Amanda's point, you know, the saturation would be my number one sort of concern. And then I would look at, you know, what kind of sort of engagement that pool has within the community. And is it, is it a known pool or is it just a, a new pool? And that is not to say that new pools are, you know, shouldn't be given opportunities. But, you know, if, if you go with, uh, with a, uh, some, somebody who's been in the, in, in the, in the space for a while, you, you, your people might tend to, uh, to sort of, you know, trust them more maybe. I don't know. I mean, uh, definitely I, I would, I, that's my personal view again. You know, I would, I would not feel comfortable with pools that do not show their face, you know, and that's just my, you know, so it's because like, you know, if, if you're not showing your face, you know, what, what's going on there, right? You know, like you, you're, you're running a pool. You cannot just be like a, a guy with a picture of somebody else or something like that. So it, it takes a, a great amount of courage to actually get out and, uh, and be public with this stuff. Um, so that, that, that speaks a lot to, to, to the person's commitment to the space, right? So you cannot be some guy who just packs up and goes, you know, because nobody knows who he is. Um, uh, so that, that's the thing, you know, the price, you know, price is an interesting thing to be honest with you, because, you know, I've done the calculations and if you translate these fees into how much ROS they lose, right? The, the, the difference between a, a 1% pool and a 5% pool is just, you know, fractions of a, of, of a percent. 
you know, compare that to the daily swings in price of ADA. <laughs> so we lost like what, 20%. It's yeah. like, you know, or, you know, 20% gain, right? Compare these costs that you're trying to optimize to the underlying asset that you're holding is just basically being a penny wise and, and pound fooled in a sense, right? So you don't want to optimize them. I mean, you, you do want to optimize them, but you don't want to make them the primary reason why you pull it, uh, choose a pool. And uh, block production is very important, to be honest with you, but you have to also look at it from the point of view of statistical significance. Because if, if I'm a small pool, and if I'm just starting, VRF is going to be volatile, right? If you're small, your, your expected value, and, I've, and I created that, that chart and then and ADA pools just adopted it, there's a, 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 a normal distribution of, 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 of um, how many blocks you produce. And, and the thing with uh, VRF and, and uncertainty or, or you know, variability, um, uh, you know, the lottery that, that VRF is, you know, just think about it as a, as a guy who's holding a gun, but it has a very unstable sort of hand. So sometimes it hits the, the target and sometimes it goes to the left and goes to the right. So that's the best way I can think of. So if you're given an expected value of, you know, five or six blocks, you shouldn't basically expect that value every time. You know, there could be days when the, the pool will naturally get assigned two blocks. And when they produce those two blocks, you wouldn't know whether they, as a stakeholder, you wouldn't know whether they actually, you know, got assigned that many blocks or the pool operator is really bad and he was drinking or something and he got his, his, his pool got, got damaged. But in the beginning, you wouldn't know those differences. But over time, if he keeps doing that, then he will always lag behind his expected performance. And that's when you basically make a decision and say, okay, that now this data gives me actual um, you know, uh, reason to move. Um, but before that, when you see that one guy had uh, you know, 200% and then the next couple of, uh, you know, epochs, he, he was below 100%. It's, it's not an indication of his, uh, uh, you know, under, you know, skill set, because that's what the VRF does. And, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, the, the big pools even feel it. Um, but, but smaller pools feel it because more because we have the D parameter that that assigns smaller number of blocks. And in terms of blocks themselves, the absolute value doesn't really matter really doesn't matter. It's the share of the blocks compared to the to the number of blocks that have been produced compared to your st- stake share in the total number of staked uh, ADA that basically these are two sort of, uh, you know, ratios that determine your uh, actual uh, rewards. And, uh, and you wouldn't know it until the epoch actually ended. So... Um, to, to, to wrap it all up, I would say that it's the ratio of blocks produced uh, versus expected uh, or expected blocks that needs to be produced that will give you the performance. So uh, there's, there's no difference between a pool that produces his fair share, which is 10 or 8, and, and a pool that produces 100 or, you know, to 40, um, uh, because it, it's all relative to how much they were supposed to produce. You had touched touched on something real quick for, you know, when do you have enough data to move on? And I would say, you know, as a stake pool operator in the ITN uh, through mainnet candidates, the epochs were every six hours, every day, fast intervals. In a society such as now, we're looking for instantaneous feedback. Epoch of five days, I'm having a hard time as an operator just being patient through that epoch to build up that, uh, you know, historical data set. 
Um, and so for a delegator trying to choose, you know, I would say at a minimum four epochs, so 20 days. So you pretty much need to wait a month before having a, a real solid data set on performance before pivoting to a different location would be my recommendation. I mean, statistically, you would, you would want 30, 30 epochs um, yeah. to actually, you know, make sense out of it. And I, I applaud the effort of or the data aggregators in the space that, you know, have created sort of the uh, historical ROS. But uh, those will still be volatile because VRF is volatile every epoch. Um, and it will, it will be vo more volatile for smaller pools, unfortunately. But as we move, as we decrement the, the D, uh, more and more small pools will be able to actually have more granular way of, of showing their performance because, you know, instead of getting two blocks, they will be getting five blocks and five blocks in a, you know, uh, in, if, if the VRF deviates, like you lose five, you know, you, you don't get, you don't get one block. Uh, that's a less percent in percentage term loss. If you don't get assigned that, then if you were uh, assigned two blocks and then the VRF decided you'll get one block and that's a 50% mm -hmm. um, uh, performance uh you know handicapped but then again you know it's it's all it's a it's a double-edged sword because you know the next epoch or a couple of epochs down the road you could get you know five blocks and uh you know you, you were supposed to get like one right and and then you know and then the pool operators go on twitter and say you know look at us we got you know 300 percent you know something <laughs> like that so but anyway <laughs> yeah and you know philippe i would like to get Take one of the questions further down and bring it to now because it fits really well right here. Perfect. And that, that question was the, what is the difference between the ROS on pool tool and ROA on ADA pools? Does anyone happen to know the difference? What's the difference to, between ROS on pool tool and ROA on ADA pools? I, mean, I, like I definitely my know. Best, yeah. Is it, you know, human, my best guess is just yeah. like return on stake or return on ADA. Like. <laughs> Just my best guess. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I def yeah, I definitely yeah. know that uh, uh, pool tool Papa Carp has a methodology to compound it. Um, so it's a compounded interest. Or um, I don't know what what uh, Ada Pool does though. I mean that's so it's basically compounded by by seventy three. It's like you 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 take your rewards um, divided by the uh, amount of uh, stake you you have, and then uh, you. Uh, um, you know, you add one, and then all of that is is compounded by a seventy three. It's like the power of seventy three, and then you mi minus one, and then you multiply it by hundred. I just gave you the formula, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> just look at the website. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> does that in his head. Let let pop a car computer clear. do it for you. <laughs> all right. So I I had to look that one up uh, because it was it. I think that one was in the Cardano um, official is where that question came up. I had okay. to look that up. So it looks like on pool tool, the ROS is epic per epic. Like right now it says 213 and 214. And how did that pool perform during 213 and 214? The ROA on ADA pools is annualized. That's uh, returned annualized. Okay. So on ADA pools, it's smoothed or, or it's, a, you know, if you were to annualize the data. So what you'll see on pool tool is you might see for example, small pool might have in one epoch 0% and in the next epoch 20%, right? For Because they hit some blocks. Yeah. But if the ROA, if you look at the ROA in ADA pools, it might say 10% return. Oh, right? I see. I see what so they've done. So it's yeah. like a smoothing effect. Like you yeah. said, like you need 30 
epics worth of data or something. Yeah, like I think they take 30 days though. I think they have a 30 day average. So yeah, I think- um, they, they just average 30 days worth of uh, RO, ROS, I think. And then that, that, you know, just gets, you know, rolled over. It's a rolling average. That's what we call it, actually. Um, So, but I don't know if they compound it or not. You know, some people just annualize it by multiplying by 73. And, and, you know, Papa Carp, uh, basically, you know, Mike, he uh, uses exponentials. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, on Ada pools, you know how you can tell what that column means? At the very top, there's a little question mark. Oh yeah, you can mm-hmm. just you click on it, <laughs> and it tells you what what it is. So if anyone ever has a question about what those <laughs> what does that parameter mean on Adapools, click the question mark, and it will answer the question for you. They did a really good job on that. I got to give them a shout out. There's a lot of criteria, a lot of criteria that people can be looking at, and uh, stay longer periods than you initially expect. So don't jump ship after one or two epochs. Stay a little bit longer. And we said it at the beginning, people that are posting things on Twitter about how they have an elevated percentage one epoch, it's going to go down the next epoch. It's very random. So there's really nothing to brag about at this point in the game. And then also liked what Umed said at the beginning when he said, no face, no stake. I like that. Um, so Rick, what do you think about going and hitting that next question? All right. So the next one was, Hello, I started staking ADA a month ago and have not received any rewards. Can anyone explain to me why? Hmm. So what would you what do you guys think? What are the various reasons why someone would not receive rewards? We don't have to answer this person's question, but hypothetically, what are all the various reasons? Uh, well, William touched on it before, um, where if it's a small pool, it could have been eaten by the the minimum 340 ADA fee. But like, does nothing show up in the rewards thing then? Like, no notifications or anything to the the delegator? I think there's various reasons why. Yeah, I think that you know it's very worst the guy who's staking should get something back because there. I mean, I've looked at the numbers, um, and there isn't a, a scenario whereby a pool would eat because. The, the reward for one block, for instance, is, is higher than 340. Um, so you, you always, ha- always have something left. Mm-hmm. Um, even at its minimum sort of, you know, if you take the pool that has very minimum um, stake, uh, if, if it hits one block, it means that there's going to be rewards and, and those mm-hmm. rewards will be enough to pay the pool operator um, and give something to its stakeholders. Now, that is not to say that, you know, the next epoch they won't have anything, but that means that, you know, neither stakeholders nor the pool operator gets paid. Uh, but when they perform, when they get a, uh, there has to be something. So my first reaction is that the, the, the person hasn't staked actually. So I don't know if he just opened up the Byron um, uh, wallet and then thought it's delegated. I don't know if the delegation itself as an operation took place. Maybe mm-hmm. that could be something wallet related if it was, you know, um, because if you create a certificate uh, of delegation, um, mm-hmm. you know, the way that the pool works is that, you know, you, you sign, you, you create a, um, an address, which is a staking address, and then you create a certificate, which basically says, hey, you know, network, I have this wallet tied to, to this staking address, and you attach it, you basically send it out to the network. So every time there is a, uh, a, a block that has been created, then this wallet gets rewarded. 
Um, so that's how, you know, because everything is tracked by certificates. So there could be that a problem. Or as, as Amanda, you said, you know, maybe, you know, it's a small pool and they never created a block. So that could right. be the third. Yeah. I think what I would likely recommend would be number one, which pool? Go to pool tool, Ada pools, so forth. Validate that they have or have not made a block. Second, go into your wallet, your Roy, Daedalus. Go into the staking center. You should be able to see that your pool is listed as delegated yep. to that specific pool. If you are not connecting those dots there, then that, that solves the problem. And it, it's likely within that realm. I also had an issue. Someone sent me a question that they weren't receiving rewards and they said that they delegated weeks ago, but it was actually only like a week ago and the following e or a week or two ago and the following epoch, they started receiving rewards. I know that time passes quickly in crypto. So one month feels like one year, but really understand the date that you're delegating mm -hmm. and then remember that it's going to take a couple weeks to start receiving rewards, even though you're earning rewards, but to see the balance. So a month ago, make sure that you have your time scale correct as well. Yeah, and it's it's especially um, uh, pertinent to the guys who are, to the people who are just starting from, you know, they haven't staked before at all because that first timeline is is long, mm -hmm. right? You just basically have four four epics before you actually see your your rewards. I think there are three or three. Minimum, minimum 15 um, days, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 15 days. So um, those 15 days, if you're just starting, might look like you know, you, you've done something wrong and, and whatnot. But if you just started, um, then that's how much time it will take. And that's probably a plug for the 15 days. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, we have, what, basically about three hours. Find a pool, delegate to it, do your research later. You can do it now if you need to, but... Uh, at least get staked so that that lag time starts for you. Yeah, that's a good point, William. I, I, it's an easy rule of thumb. I just tell myself, end of current epic plus 15. Mm -hmm. That's when I get the rewards for that particular pool. Because I've got like six different pools I'm delegating to. So I say, okay, when did I delegate to that one? Yeah. I switched it. And the person yeah. could have actually started in the beginning of the epoch, right? If they yeah. stake in the beginning of the epoch, then it's kind of 20 days, 20, right? Definitely. Correct. Yeah. So it feels like 20 days, but yeah. Correct. All right. Yeah. You know, that leads us right into the next question. It says, is splitting up your stake a good idea? Does anyone do that? Or what do you think? Is splitting it up a good idea? Multiple pools? It's, I mean, I can tell, oh, I can take that question if you want, you know, as a, as sure. a finance guy. So. In the finance, there's this kind of risk management framework that says, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So, and that has to do with the, with the fact that, you know, the performance across different assets has different characteristics. Now, it's not the same, I would say, from a, a, a protocol perspective. Like the protocol produces, what, 7% or something like that at the maximum point. Um, so you, you cannot just game the system and, you know, put, your, your 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 money you know in a place where you could earn 15 for instance it doesn't work that way so the max, maximum you can earn is is set but different pool operators might have different risk profiles right as i was talking to you you know if, if there's a, a guy who doesn't pay attention to his pool and uh wakes up only one time at night uh as opposed to people who wake up every two hours to check on their pool and check on the phone to see if they have no notifications uh <laughs> then he he might 
he might actually have an operation risk, operational risk that um, uh, that other people would, would would not have. I mean, you know, you could you can argue that you you know you uh, you know you, you've automated everything, but down the road, I will t- I'll tell you that um, the the pool operators that care, they will they will their their efforts will show. So by spreading your your stake to different pools, you minimize that risk that somebody didn't perform well. So that would be the only sort of kind of justifications. And, you know, as Amanda was saying, there are pools that you would like to to support. I really love Deadpool, I have to say. I, <laughs> I've, I've said it already, but, you know, I really love Deadpool. I want you guys to be successful. Thank um, you. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, some, some people might find affinity with Deadpool. I, I, you know, so, and they might just support them, you know, in addition to whatever they're doing else. Yeah. I'll shut up now. <laughs> I think thank you. Matt. I think the only thing you want to consider is um, kind of risk your individual risk management of your numerous wallets, numerous twenty-four word passphrases to yeah. keep your funds. And if you're methodical, if you can keep track of that sort of thing, no hesitation to split it. If that's your motivation, if it's easier to just do one, set it, forget it. Both, I don't think you can go wrong as long as you're staking to a pool that's performing. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to split it up too. And eventually there's going to be a feature where you can split up your individual wallet within Daedalus. So there's going to be multi-pool delegation. So I don't know when that's going to come, but if you're doing this with anticipation that it won't come for years, that's probably not true. Maybe months away, maybe weeks away, who knows? So you'll be able to split it up eventually. I'm actually very looking forward to that feature. Yes. Yeah. It's going to help even out the pledge a little bit. To, it's going to have benefits with some smaller pools. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know what the benefit is of splitting it up is you can put some people, I've seen some analysis where they have an optimal zone, you know, like between 5 million and 150 million, for example, you know, somewhere in that zone, you get different benefits. But if you, uh, you put a chunk of pledge on a medium sized pool and you'll get consistent blocks. I'm not, I said pledge, I meant stake. You put a chunk there, and then you put a chunk on a small pool. When they hit a block, you're doing all right, right? Yeah. You made, remember you did an analysis where if a smaller pool were to hit a block every other epic, depending on the distribution, you could have a higher ROS. It's yeah. possible, or there was some, but that was that when D was greater than zero point eight, or is that still applied today? I'm not sure if it's still. Yeah, I mean, today, it, it, it the, this this luck actually applies to whether it's a small pool or not, because what happens every epoch is that you are getting a, a decreased rewards. Every epoch, there is a, uh, a less number of rewards being distributed. So, I would say that all else equal, let's say take p- two pools, right, A and B, and and the pool A got lucky. Um, in the first epoch, right? They they produced all their blocks, or you know, and then the pool B, you know, produced you know fifty of of fifty percent of their blocks. Even if after that one epoch they produced similar number of blocks, the the epoch, uh, you know, the the uh, the pool B that got penalized, for instance, might might never catch up to the to the pool pool A because of the fact that the pool A had you know so much of a you know leeway um, lead. But um, but yeah, I mean, there are cases where you know you you could argue that you know I, I was luckier and and uh, you know, but the protocol itself, the way that the VRF works, at least the you know the the 
the chance part of it equalizes. Um, yes, you will never get those rewards that were in the beginning. That's for sure. So there's this kind of a loss there if you were not lucky. But, um, you know, I haven't done a, a very detailed analysis, but I can tell you that intuitively that, you know, there will be a, a small gap um, between um, the ones that actually got a lot of blocks in the first few epochs and, uh, and, and the guys who were not lucky to, 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 to you know, to get them. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. yeah, let's th- thank you for that. You made, all right, yeah. we ready to go to the next ones. We're approaching the hour. We'll yes. In about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Let's knock these out. Okay. All right. There's a very specific question. I'm going to skip that one for now. And the next question is, do I have to unstake from my previous pool? Do you have to unstake? How does it work? So I want to say that they mean undelegate. So maybe change delegation. So um, I think in the Daedalus wallet, if you choose a different pool, it'll bring up that you've already delegated this pool. Do you want to change to this pool? Undelegate, click, and then you delegate to the to the new pool that you choose. Um, but I think the term unstake is not correct. So it's like redelegate or undelegate. Yeah. Wouldn't it save you a transaction fee to just redelegate because you're just doing one thing? I think I so. No. A transaction fee, like that two ADA fee? I don't think or, you would charge the two ADA again. Yeah, fee, every, yeah. it's just that one time and then mm-hmm. two the first time. Yeah. And then yeah. that point one seven subsequent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What is that two ADA? I mean, I read <laughs> that it's like um it's just a small deposit to to put put your your stake down. Okay. Cause that was a very, very common question at the beginning was why did it charge me 2.17 ADA, right? Mm. I should have had that in a list. Okay, so let's make that the question. Why does it charge me 2.17 ADA? That's only the first time, is that right? The two is just the first time. It's a deposit for the staking address. Yeah. It's like a toll booth tax. In order to get on the highway, you got to pay your two ADA, and then you can start delegating. So Okay. Except you get it back, right? When you undelegate. If you unregister that address. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't think a lot of people are gonna do that. So there's yeah. gonna be a lot of two ADAs sitting in escrow somewhere. Imagine that pool uh uh <laughs> the toll booth that yeah. makes you stop and gives you your two dollars back. <laughs> <laughs> I used Traffic it all. conjection. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. So you want your two dollars back, you gotta stop. <laughs> People are going to be like, nah, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> Wait until Ada is like $50, right? Yeah, I was going to say, like, what if it's worth it? <laughs> we'll be doing that. You know, 10 yeah. years from now, we'll be going back and saying, where's that address with 2 Ada in it? You're going to be poking at it. You got to get that 2 Ada out of there. I know. It reminds me of that story. of Was it Ireland or Scotland? That's this guy mined a lot of Bitcoin and then he threw his uh, computer in the dumpster or whatnot. And then- yeah. He managed to convince or wanted to convince the city to dig it out because it was $60 million worth of Bitcoin or something Yeah, um, back in the day. Oh, I so. heard he hired a contractor and said, we'll split it. If you find it, I know the password. You find it and we'll split the loot whenever you find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. All right. So a couple more questions. We'll wrap it up and check chat. Philippe, okay. you ready to... Yeah, do you want to hit the Reddit questions because, or do you want to do the pledge question? Uh, oh, so yeah, let's go to the Reddit question. 
Um, okay. Because we're, we're, we're approaching the hour. The, this one's more pool-oriented. Okay. Three-part question. So it's kind of like we're – Let's. I'll just get to the question. It says, first, how do you feel about the rate at which D is being dropped? Is it too fast or too slow? So is D coming down too fast or too slow? Hmm. I mean, like, I'm not into – analytics like umed but uh like i want to i want to have faith in the big people who made the decision that you know they're doing it for a reason to just slowly give us control but i can also like pass it to william and umed to see what they think you know it's one of those uh systematic processes and so if it's if it's sporadic jumping all over the place that's probably largely the wrong decision you know we're going down two percent every epoch. And so by November 1st, being at a, a D level 50, so 50% centralized, 50% on the public space for block creation, that works. Um, yeah. You know, can you do it faster? Sure. Do you need to do it faster? Are there things you'll learn in the process of being a little bit more methodical? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's working. So. Yeah. No, I, I would, I would say that, you know, I have talked to IOHK scientists. Um, I, I, I do talk to them regularly, and they are a very, very bright individual bunch of people. And whenever they make a decision, it's not to the detriment of, of every you know pool operator or whatnot. They do take these things into consideration. But from what I gather talking to them, network security takes precedent over everything else. And because if you don't have the network or network security, you don't have rewards. You know, your rewards are secondary to that. So you have to have a, a, a system that works. And in order to see that it works, you need data. You need time to actually see how things play out. And uh, yes, they, they chose to, uh, you know, the 2% per, per, per uh, epoch of, of decrement. And, uh, you know, I agree with them. It's, it's, it's the right decision. And we've had two different sort of versions uh, in this mainnet, I think, or three. Three, right? right. This is eight. We started mm -hmm. with 18. Three. Um, and, you know, there will be times when we need to basically, uh, you know, see uh, how, how things play out. And, uh, you know, what, what they decide, um, I, I'm fully on board. Because I, I trust them, I really do. Um, I mean, I've talked to Lars, on a, uh, you know, regularly. I, 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 I know other scientists, and uh, when they explain, you know, why they do these things, um, you know, especially Duncan Coots, you know, when we have calls with him, you know, it, it makes absolutely a, a lot of sense. You know, there was there was a lot of questions, for instance, about you know why did we have in ITN a, a situation where the uh, you know the rewards were split. If, if somebody didn't make a block, you would get more rewards, right? And there was a very good, you know, uh, explanations to that. And, um, you know, you go back to home and then you start thinking that these guys really think about the protocol before they make a decision. So, I mean, I've, I've have deep respect, a deep uh, level of respect for these people. So I'm not going to second guess their decision. All right. So we'll go with just right. I agree with Amanda and say, yeah, these smart people figured out. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I basically said the it. same thing by a lot of words, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there was a, the next part. Secondly, second part of the question. When exchanges offer staking services, how can small operators stay competitive? Or is this as not a big a deal 
as everyone makes it. That's what do you guys really think? Good question. Speculation? I have an opinion on this. What's your opinion, Rick? Yeah, yeah. what's your opinion? I think it's going to be based on preference. If you do you like big team, little team kind of thing. And I think what you'll find is the community pools with the greatest amount of pledge are going to be competing with Bitrex. And I'll give you an example. Like Q, QCoin already has a form of, I call it pseudo staking available where uh, they, they distribute a reward like every day. Correct. If I'm wrong, I apologize. You know, I don't, I'm not a perfect human being, but so you get you like a little drug fix every day, right? Get, <laughs> He's a like we got used to on ITN. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it's commensurate. Like you wait five days from with a community pool and you get your full payout, right, based on the number of blocks created. So because QCoin's a big exchange, they probably do some marketing magic and stuff like that to try to suck people in. So – I think it's more like pseudo staking, but I think the real staking on exchanges will come when exchanges like Bittrex that have massive amounts of ADA also have the ability for their customers to stake to any pool. Like if you were to go on an exchange and say, I can only stake to this exchange. At first, people might say, oh, that's cool. Like I get consistent rewards and that. Um, exchanges accountable for it. But over time, they're going to say, I really don't have a lot of options. I'm kind of stuck here. So that's one thought process. Another thought process is people who like to keep their ADA on exchanges already keep their ADA on exchanges. So another option is there's no impact to the community pools because right now there's a ton of ADA on exchanges before we, before Shelly, before we decentralized. Just because there's uh, Shelly, that doesn't mean they're going to take it off the exchange. So I think most of the ADA that's on exchanges is going to stay on exchanges because people like it to be on an exchange. And that's it. And so bottom line, minimal impact to the community pools. I think the workforce is going to continue to be the community pools and the exchanges are not going to have as big of an impact as we think. And the exchange will have to have the one-to-many at some point in time. They're not going to create as a couple thousand pools themselves to cover all the funds in their exchange. The other side is you really have to look at this from a, we're very much a niche right now. There are tons of people that are investing in the 401ks or other money and their user experiences, log into TD Ameritrade, buy a stock or a mutual fund and let it sit there. So when they come into the segment, a lot of people will be on the exchange by default mechanism because the hurdle to getting to the individual pool, how do you open up deadlists? How do you, you know, handle your own keys? The exchange takes care of some of that at risk of you don't have control of your keys. You don't have control of your funds. It just depends upon where your comfort level lies. Yeah, I mean, both of you actually made really good points in this uh, regard. Um, I have to say that, Rick, I'm very impressed with, the, with your thought process because it actually validates some of the things, you know, that 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 I I've I've been expecting. Um, because you know, as you say, if 
staking comes to exchanges, there's zero, especially on the reward side, there's zero effect on, on pools because we are remunerated based on the total stake, whether it's staked or not. It doesn't, it has zero effect when, when that stake comes, becomes staked, so to say. So, um, you have to realize why the exchanges do that, right? They, they seek liquidity and they make money on, on, on the, on the trades. So when they offer you whatever good deals that they offer, you have to think about that, who's paying for that. And, and if you're a guy who just sits there and, and doesn't do anything with his money, then maybe you will, you will get some benefits. But if you're an active trader, um, you will be paying for that somehow. Uh, so somebody will be paying for that. Um, that that's, that's for sure. And they will, they will tap into your liquidity. Maybe, you know, I don't know, this, this industry is not regulated. They could be trading against you, you know, like you, you are thinking that you're getting the best price, but no, you're not going to get the best price. They're going to have their, their cut there. And uh, you, you'll be thinking that you had 0%. No, you didn't have a 0%. So, um, so you know, I mean, people who, who do business or understand how things work probably would, wouldn't put their, you know, money there. But to your point, William, I'll say that we have to make a collective effort to introduce Daedalus and Uroi um, to the masses so that it is like opening a, a, a TD Ameritrade and you know, putting your, your money in there. No, I know that at this point, it's, it's kind of cumbersome in the sense that you, know, you have to remember 12 words or 15 words or whatnot. But I, I don't think it, we're too far away from a day when either you basically have a, a, a you know, one secure key, uh, you know, Fido2, uh, you know, compliance secure key that gives you the password and everything. Um, or at least maybe you have custody in the bank, you know, where, you know, part of your key is in the bank and then, you know, the bank will provide you the interface uh, to actually stake with any pool. So those are the two places where I think we could focus on the collective efforts to, to, to push this industry forward. Because, you know, I, I would hate uh, for, for exchanges to be our interface or, you know, to represent us because it's just contrary to decentralization completely. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. Thank you, Ahmed. Hey, we got a real-time question in chat. Then we'll get to the last question here. Create the Imaginable asks, do I have one day and four hours to switch pools? I think what they're asking is when is the end of the current epic? I think it's in one day, it's, right? No. It's tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow at 5.44 yeah. p.m. Eastern have, Standard Time. We still have time, yeah. Okay, so you got one day and four hours. Yeah. So it's a, Correct. All right. So, so 21, <laughs> Yeah. So 21.44 UTC on September 7th. We have 28 hours, 19 minutes, 19 seconds. <laughs> Thank you, you bet. <laughs> you just did you look at a pull tool or yes, Daedalus? I yeah. did pull tool. All right, last question. Yeah, go for it, Rick. Okay, lastly, uh, what would you like to see IOG, Mergo, and the Cardano Foundation do in order to help support small community pools? What would you like to see them do? Maybe Amanda can take that one. <laughs> okay, it would be nice if they would, uh, you know when they're going to take their pools off and uh, distribute maybe a little bit into uh, smaller pools. I get this like imagery of like a defibrillator kind of like help me because I'm dying. (laughs) Um, But uh, if they were in the smaller pools, you know, I don't know, maybe 5 million or something for the smaller pools, at least that would give them a fighting chance to enter into the, the lottery. And then once they are given a chance to, 
make a block or show that they're actually able to perform and make a block. It shows delegators that this pool is not broken and it's capable, you know, stay there for a few epics so that they can, they can, um, you know, perform at, at their best before moving on to, to others, but distributing to the smaller ones. And so that they can, they can uh, live. <laughs> that would be helpful. Amanda, what do you think the process should be? Because there are a thousand pools and counting. How randomized should the process be? Because I'm sure that, you know, as we grow, there are going to be more and more, and that's probably going to hit 2000 pools at some mm-hmm. point. How do they, how do they pick who, who to, cho- how do they choose? How should they choose? I mean, that's a, a good question. I don't, I don't want to answer that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like maybe they maybe small pools like apply, maybe they'll just put out like a call, like, do you, you know, and, and then they just do it, do so many pools every few epics, you know, um, epochs, whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, um, I know that uh, the Spocker group is putting stuff together too. Like they're trying to make a make a list of who they want to recommend. But also, I don't I don't really know how they're putting that list together either. So, but, but yeah, like the the pools the pool operators can just be like engaging and just paying attention to to that time and make sure that they they catch that wave if it comes. Okay. Yeah, picking which one to delegate to is going to be difficult for them. I think the number one barrier they have right now is the logistics of performing a thousand delegations or basically taking 2 billion ADA and parsing it out into a thousand wallets, right? Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. a, there's a serious, serious risk with doing that. And I think that's why multi pool delegation is extremely high priority right now on being able to delegate one wallet to multiple pools. That is a high priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts, William? So I, I, I think I would uh, stretch away from what, what they could do specifically for me uh, to maybe what they could do for the community. And, um, you know, there, there's several other cryptocurrencies that are third generation blockchain, uh, different protocols, helping create a concise elevator pitch of why Ouroboros is better than or helping the marketing side for people to identify with Cardano, creating your tribe. We are Cardano. What does that mean? Getting people into the ecosystem, that's by and far going to have the biggest effect in the long run. And all of the small pools, large pools will be fine. We just need the community to move together. Yeah, if the value of ADA rises, then the K parameter can rise. Mm-hmm. You can't just arbitrarily raise the K parameter. If you raise the K parameter, that will support smaller pools. And when we say smaller, just pools of lower stake. So I think that's a good big picture of view, William. I like that. Is you know, market the entire system. I think it's also important for uh, them to support smaller pools because they're they're holding pre-mined ADA, right? So. Until D equals zero, I think there should be a delegation rotation of that pre-mined ADA between Emergo, OHK, and the Cardano Foundation. It should extend for some period of time past D equals zero. So I don't know how they should do the rotation, but I got a pretty good idea of how long it should go on for. And I'm thinking it should go on for at least three months after D equals zero. 
And then after that, you know, stake it to your own pools or whatever. I don't care. But as long as you're sitting on pre-mined data, it's a good idea. I agree with you, Rick. But I, I have a follow-up question because IOG is moving their funds to Coinbase custody at the end of the year. So this this access to the liquidity of ADA to actually multi-pledge delegate is probably going to expire at the end of the year because I don't foresee Coinbase custody holding IOEG funds and then delegating to small pools. They're going to maximize the returns for their client. And um, I think that as time progresses and the price increases, more and more of that locked ADA or that ADA that IOG controls or Mergo or the Cardano Foundation is going to be less accessible to the community. Uh, so I, I, I don't know how, yeah. what the long-term viability of that is. Well, yeah. they're, 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 you know, I, I think that, you know, the community, um, you know, the, the three entities, um, it's the Cardano Foundation, Amurgo, and uh, IOHK, especially in the, in the beginning, need to support the network and put aside, you know, sort of their return maximization. Because if you have a network where a uh, majority of stake is, 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 is uh, you know, controlled by three or four entities, you have a problem. And add to that the exchanges, you know, then you have a real problem. So, uh, in order to for, for this network to survive, you kind of have to nurture the the small pools so that they get known, they get you know exposure to uh, to actually attract on their own and be sustainable. And once that happens, then they can pull out their stake. They will always be able to make more money, but uh, they have one shot in in, in terms of uh, making this thing work. Because if uh, the ecosystem dies in terms of, you know, we have thousand pools and we are blessed, to be honest with you, in that respect, you know. Um, yes, we might have 2,000 pools. Eventually, you know, we will have to converge into a, a number that will be good depending on the k level of K, whether it be the, uh, 500 or 1,000. But until we get there, uh, we need to support pools. You know, it's, it's, it's a good question logistically how you do it, but, you know, I definitely know that we need to do it because otherwise you you end up with all these other coins that have like four or five, uh, six uh, players actually t taking up the whole space. Be because in, 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 in Ouroboros, in Cardano, you're not limited by how many pools you create. So I, and nobody knows yeah. if you're behind pool A, pool, pool B, you could, you could just rebrand and, uh, you know, the same low fees or whatever, like 1%, you could, you could just basically name it something else and, um, and, and run it and then market it, you know, and, and when you do that, you effectively centralize yourself or at least create an oligopoly, which is not good. Yeah. And, you know, you I would like to finish this question up by kind of turning the question around. I think is not so much as IOG, Mergo and CF, what can they do in order to support small pools is marketing. The, I think we got the tech side down. Okay. Do the pool operators know how to operate pools? Yes, they do. Is the software stable? Yes, it's stable. This, this Haskell is so stable. Anyone who operated Jormungandr, you probably have post-Jormungandr stress disorder. You're just <laughs> waiting for your node to crash, right? And then you realize, happen. you know what? On Haskell, my node hasn't crashed yet. It just no. keeps running and running and running. All right, so what do... Small pool operators need the most. They need marketing skills because right now they don't have many. The, the weakest point I see in the entire pool operator system is marketing skills. I, and I'm going to give you an example. I see pool operators who put 
their pool ticker in their Twitter handle, right? Then they go on Twitter and they complain and they complain. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like the worst marketing you could possibly do is to put your ticker in your name or your entire name is your ticker. And then you go on Twitter and complain. That's like, nobody does that. (laughs) It doesn't sell. Yeah, It's the reverse of marketing. (laughs) So if IOG and Emergo wanted to help is teach the pool operators how to market. (laughs) Because that's the weak point. We have a thousand pool operators. We've got a thousand techies, but we only got we only got fifty or hundred marketers out there. People who use art, they use uh, music, they use humor, uh, they use positivity, like Deadpool. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny Twitter account right there. Yeah. All right. So, marketing—that's how IOG Mergo CF can help. Is hold a marketing workshop. Here's how you market your pools. You know, I did a video on it, on how to market your pool, but I, I was, I was pretty brutal, right? It's a brutal video. People probably watch and go, man, that guy's a jerk. I don't want to watch his video, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you can help spreading. Uh, the stake is one thing, but that's limited. Like Philippe said, it's going to Coinbase custody and they're going to pull the Baba out eventually pop, right? You know, yeah. they're going to pop the training wheels off. You're on your own. That's going to happen in six months or, you know, sometime in the near future, but uh, marketing is the key. How do you sell your pool? Why should people stake to it? Um, Because people want stability. So, Well, people like different things. Some people like to game it. They say, oh, if I pick this one, I get this. If I pick that one, some people like that. And some people don't. Some people say, hey, I just want to set it and forget it and walk away. And I don't want to worry about it. Well, I'll tell you that the people who are jumping pools, they're just you know, basically chasing ghosts. It doesn't yeah. really make a difference, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, unless you have 30, 30 days, uh, I mean, 30 epochs of, uh, of d- data. I would like to caveat that. If you are changing pools every epoch, you are doing yourself a disservice because yes. you don't know how that pool performed. You will not know how that pool performed until the end of the epoch plus 15 days. So, if you're switching pools every epic, you are switching pools without knowing why you did. You, you might unless just, it yeah. unless it was zero blocks, and you'd be like, okay, that one's a dead one. I'm yeah. gonna go, that one's not working. I'm gonna go to some zero blocks right? for a for a while, and you know, justified yeah. zero blocks. If if you have you know 50 million in your in your you know pool, and then you produce zero blocks, that's a red flag right there. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. There's certain things that are quite obvious, and yeah, we're good on that, Rick. We're hitting that time. So do you want to wrap it up? Yes, sir. Okay. So I want to thank the three pool operators for joining. I'm going to give you the last words. Thank you to Old Paw Sync, by the way, in the comment section, holding down the comment section, answering questions. We appreciate you. So, Umed, we're going to start with you, and then William, then Amanda. Uh, do you have any last words for the listeners and viewers of the Cardano Effect? Yes, I would say that, you know, just do your homework and uh, support the pools that that uh, you you find some affinity uh, with. Um, you know this is a long game. Everybody's here for a, lo- a long haul, um, and uh, you know enjoy the ride. It's it's going to be great. William, uh, so Sage Cardano staking. You're more than welcome to delegate with us, but at the same point in time, there's hundreds of other operators that are awesome. Uh, the community is wonderful to work with. Um, if you want to stake with us, that's great. At the same point in time, 
the barrier to making a decision, just do something. Give yourself those 15 days or more to reaffirm that you made a good decision and then move on if you need to. Um, but it's better to stake than to just sit and miss the rewards. Amanda? Yeah. So again, I run Deadpool and, um, you know, I'm really active in the, in the community and on Twitter, my pool is 2% and I, um, I really love my telegram channel and talking to the people that delegate in my pool. Uh, we have a a good time in, in there. So, um, yeah, like, uh, come join my Twitter and join my telegram. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this live stream. We had Amanda from Deadpool, William from Sage, and Umed from Skylight Pool. So we appreciate you. And join us again next week. We have a couple guests that are going to be appearing on the Cardano Effect pre-recorded episodes. Um, we're, we're, we're working through those right now. So we're happy to bring you some new content. And thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We appreciate you. Until the next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.